<laughs> that Barb episode last oh, time. The gut wrencher, so good. <laughs> Haven't both of us crying. Oh yeah, yeah. But today mm-hmm. we have one of our uh, feeding Tampa Bay. It's very feeding Tampa Bay centric. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were celebrating an amazing man, Todd Wickner, yeah. who has been involved with us for ten plus years, hands on, mm-hmm. knows the food industry inside and out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. One of our uh, he's our board chair. I mean, he yeah. really is one one of our fearless leaders that right. really kind of helps us get where we're going every day. Right, yeah. right. And he, his knowledge of food started at his family level. Yeah, yeah. So this is his life's mm. work, you mm. know, and it's been his life's work, either, whether he was um, building an incredible business or lending his talents to organizations to mm. help them. One of the great things, there's a few nuggets that, you know, have nothing to do with the FTB, but have a lot to do with being a human being, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, um, his commitment to family and family can be that organic family that, because you don't talk a lot because we're, we're stuck in the 80s for a long time. <laughs> 80s in baseball, like, two places um, I'm not familiar I with. I wasn't there. Um, so you're a bit quiet uh-huh. on this one. You know, but any family <laughs> support, people you can count on, people who read out, it could be a group of friends, yeah, yeah. but how that kept him going and made him who he is. Right. Um, you know, along with that, we talked about some challenges. You know, he, he went from nothing in his garage kind of like Bezos, <laughs> to like huge business uh-huh. that had huge problems. But the core essence of him is being calm and going back to why you're doing this, mm-hmm. why yeah. you're doing what you're doing. And that's something I think we all can take away from it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was something that definitely said out to me when he, he says, you know, you guys can listen to this. He says, you know, if when you start a business, but always remember why you started it, why you got into that, you know, right. that line of work and that'll kind of see you through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. I thought was pretty insightful. Mm-hmm. You know, and finally, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, he one of the things one of the other things that he mentioned because he's he's a big time philanthropist as we talk yeah. about in the show and the, who he supports and how and one of the things that was really cool was he's you know, he says that how he chooses to support people is he helps people who help people. You know, right. it's something that is obviously very important to him. He's involved with us. He's involved with Trinity, and he wants to help the helpers. <laughs> right, and he's also the arts, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he also formerly was with yeah. animals. He yeah. took a lot of that focus to feeding Tampa Bay with our growth and the great things that are happening in the Tampa market. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we'll just close on and let you listen. There's another thing about him is he and his wife, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. from being here and around him, it's always, you know, Rita is with by his side and mm-hmm. with him and everything that they do. And mm-hmm. that goes to partnerships. And I think you can talk to that about marriage. I can think that lends into work. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. really interesting core values, calm voice. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Sweet soul. (laughs) Enjoy Todd Wickner. Todd Wickner. Honestly, one of my favorite people is with us today. And uh, Jersey Boy. We're going to start right out of the gate with the Jersey Boy. Because you know our fearless leader is just almost scary (laughs) the way he follows. Yeah. (laughs) Bruce Springsteen. So... (laughs) What's your favorite song? Are you a Jersey? Are you a Springsteen fan? Does that resonate with you at all? Well, I am from Jersey. Yeah. Uh, from Northern Jersey. Okay. Uh, maybe not so much where Thomas, as you're alluding to, your fearless leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know his love for Springsteen. Um, I am a Springsteen fan. Yeah. Um, I'm a music fan. Yes. I like all different genres. Yeah. Uh, an art fan, which we'll get yeah, into. Yeah, an art fan too, but uh, in my history of my 
uh, company that I worked for. I was in the entertainment avenue, so I mm-hmm. went to a lot of different c- concerts throughout time. Right, and so no favorite, just well, a lot. It, a no lot favorite, of different ones, a lot, a of, lot different. of different concerts. Uh, but Springsteen, um, if I, you were going to ask me what my favorite song was, yep. uh, Streets of Philadelphia. Streets by, of Philadelphia. Yeah, I think it just talks to uh, community a lot. Uh, it does. It talks about all the different aspects of a community. And uh, Springsteen, a poet, uh, you know, he's a storyteller, too. Uh, And if you listen to his words, which a lot of his fans do, uh, they say a lot to a lot of different people. So Streets of Philadelphia is Is definitely my favorite song. Ev, do you have one? Do you have a... You know, I am am one of those kids that didn't get a whole lot of the the classic music growing up, We got a young in with us. (laughs) Oh, I see. That's okay. That's okay. Mine is Secret Garden. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that is like such a chill... I think it's such a beautiful song. I love it. Um, it's my favorite. Yeah. Very girly choice. I know. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I saw Springsteen also when I was working in London. Ooh. And he played at Wembley Stadium. And this is back in the early 80s. And uh, it was 4th of July. Oh, wow. And he goes, you know, everybody in the audience, you might not really get this song, but... I'm going to play Born in the USA, and the crowd just went wild. Oh, I love it. What a cool experience. (laughs) It was. Such a cool experience. It was. So I still want want to stay in Jersey for a few minutes. Sure. Um, I just want to talk about your upbringing and what life was like for you growing up. Um, I had a pretty, uh, I'd say I'd have a pretty normal life. Uh, I was fortunate. I was born into a great family. Um, we weren't in need. Uh, I can't, I can empathize with people that have needs. Mm -hmm. Uh, but from a standpoint of comfort, we had a very comfortable family. Mm -hmm. Um, and my experience in New Jersey was, was a good one. Uh, I loved, I loved living there for a period of time, Mm -hmm. but as most Kids, as they're growing up, you also can't wait to get out and see something different. Yeah. So I know when I graduated from high school, I was out of there. Oh, wow. I was out. Off to college (laughs) and out. Mm. Gone. Um, But had a good time while I was there. I had great friends. I have friends that uh, I communicate with to this day from that area. So from your childhood, um, you know, we're going to lead into... Uh, what your life's works have become and things that you've been interested in. But was there an influence that you can think about that somebody who, a family member or someone that you knew that influenced you as you were leaving Jersey and spreading your wings, um, who would that be? Um, I'd say there's more than one person that gave me my influence and kind of shaped me who I am today. Uh, My dad, for sure. Uh, he gave me a strong work ethic. Uh, I'd beg him to take me to work with him in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, he owned the, ran a luncheonette, and I loved going down there uh, and spending time with him. And it gave me time to spend with him because he worked a lot. Um, definitely my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
My mom gave me a true sense of family. She instills it in, in us all the time, right to this day. She's 93 years old. Bless and her. she still talks about, did you call your brother today? Oh, uh, and I'll, sometimes I'll say, Mom, I called him last week, but I didn't but call did him you? today. She goes, well, give him a call. <laughs> right? Give him a Stay call. <laughs> she goes, the more you talk, the more you'll have to sp- talk about. No. Oh, uh, what a sweet soul. What and then uh, the third person that had a strong influence on me while I was a child was uh, an great uncle that I had. And he was born in the very early 1900s. Uh, And uh, he was my Uncle Whitey. Yeah. And he was a bit of a wise guy, as you know what I mean. Yes. I mean, he uh, ran liquor, did Mm. those type of things. So he gave us a bit of edge. I was going to say you were drawn a little bit to the edge. You had this wonderful <laughs> right. family, and then you had this edgy uncle. Yeah. Which I think in all of our families, there's that edgy person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that you're yeah. like, oh, when you're younger, he's fun or she's fun. He was. He <laughs> was. Amazing. But also a great sense of family, man, too. Yes. Yes. Truly. Yeah, he Truly. was adventurous, we will say, but family was still important, which... It's so interesting just to hear those few tidbits that, tidbits that you're saying because it helps explain who you are. I think so. As a family man. Mm-hmm. It does. So, um, you know, we've been, I've been fortunate since I've been at the food bank now for four years that I think we've been connected since I first came in. And I get to see just how lovely uh, from the outside that you celebrate your family. Tell us about your personal family and how that came about. Let's start with Ms. Rita. <laughs> uh, Rita. Uh, I met Rita up in Rhode Island. Uh, I was working at the Providence Civic Center at that time in an arena. And Rita worked next door at the bus terminal. We both worked for the same company, but just in different buildings. And uh, I would go down to the bus terminal to get my lunch because uh, there was a little luncheonette there, and I would go down, and she was working at the snack counter, mm-hmm. uh, and I would make believe I needed to purchase uh, peppermint patties. Oh, so you uh, had a collection of peppermint patties. I did, I did. <laughs> In your desk. And I would visit with Rita, uh, mm-hmm. and that's how I met my wife uh, yeah. up there, uh, up in Rhode Island. So that was uh, how we met. And mm-hmm. we started dating up there, and uh, some of her sisters, she comes from a large family of seven. Wow. Uh, seven children. And a couple of her sisters worked for me over at the uh, Providence Civic Center in the concession stands. So gotcha. uh, it was kind of like a family business, <laughs> too. Right? It started out, oh, gosh, this is all about family. Oh, yeah. If, um, Describe Rita in a few words. Rita was um, unable to make it with us today. I was going to ask her, have her join the conversation for a minute. But describe her in just a few words Uh, as her biggest fan. (laughs) (laughs) Rita is an extremely caring person. Uh, So thoughtful. Uh, She uh, is also extremely Mm -hmm. family-focused. She is the person that calls her daughter every day, and her daughter calls her once a day. So there's at least two conversations. (laughs) And uh, also she's calling our son out in Phoenix where he lives. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
Rita's a loving person mm-hmm. and uh, keeps us all glued together in our family. Oh, she's the glue. And I will mm-hmm. say she's lovely on the inside and out. She Just is. a beautiful woman. Um, so you alluded to your children. Tell yeah. us about the path with your kids. Uh, That's a brag moment. You get to brag on it. I know. Two two children, two great children, and our children are separated by 14 years. Oh, wow. Uh, So it's almost like having two only children. (laughs) Right. Uh, Right. So our oldest is uh, Dan. Mm -hmm. Uh, He lives out in Phoenix. He stayed in Phoenix when we moved from there. Uh, And Dan uh, is a mortgage broker and also works a second job as a beverage manager at one of the resorts in Phoenix. Uh, Joanna lives here in uh, Tampa, Mm -hmm. happily married uh, a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And Joanna uh, now works for a company called Core State, which is an engineering firm. And she's the director of uh, marketing and development. Oh, okay. So, so in those development she, committee meetings, she might give you some tips. I think <laughs> so. You need them. She does. So uh, we're in. Both but, my yeah. children are hardworking, uh, always uh, focused on uh, making things a little bit better. Mm. Yeah. Runs in the family. And for both of them, <laughs> yeah, it runs in the family. And for both of them, it kind of has trickled down the family working in food and beverage marketing and communications which i do know you get as well so what a wonderful influence and then now soon possibly you'll have a next generation of family members um, that will benefit from all that love and family and uh, knowing your industries so right now it's just all about those fur babies right that's right. We right. got a couple of uh, grandbaby ch- uh, puppies that are out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. here at Feeding Tampa Bay, we know pets are family too. Absolutely. We even distribute food for pets as well, mm-hmm. um, and it's just really important. Yeah, so. we've always been a family of pets. Uh, yeah. I think we've had four Labradors over. Oh, Labrador our, family. Yeah, mm-hmm. and okay. we also have little white fluffy dogs. Too. Okay, okay. you got to have your little one. Yeah, mine is a chow, and then I have a little French bulldog. There you so go. So there's always the big and the little. Right. There you <laughs> go. Right? For sure. Right? So you've, we've, we've kind of alluded that you've been into the food industry. So kind of tell us about what drew you to that. Well, as I was saying earlier, um, mm-hmm. my dad owned the luncheonette. Mm-hmm. Has always had always been in the food service business uh, since we were young, and I thought I never thought of any doing anything else. Uh, I didn't know what I was going to do in the food service industry, but I definitely wanted to be in the service uh, sector, uh, working with people. I always thought. It'd be great not to have to be sitting behind a desk to be out there with people uh, and just getting to know uh, different aspects of what's going on. So the mm-hmm. food service world is one that I grew up in uh, and one that I wanted to pursue. So the one thing that uh, my parents always said, but you're going to go to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. I mean, my parent, my dad went to college but didn't graduate. My mom went to a school uh, for medical records, uh, but I would be the first one in our family to graduate from a university setting. So they instilled that in us. Very good. You're all going to go to college someday. (laughs) And you're an alumni of where? Cornell University. Cornell University. And you focused on? Hotel restaurant management. 
There you go. It's one of the best schools out there. It, it, it definitely is. It definitely is. So um, hospitality. So take us, you've gone to college. You know, you're, it was a path your parents wanted you to go on, and you respectfully and gratefully went that route, right? Come out of college, what did you do? I uh, got my first job in New York City. Okay. Uh, I worked at the New York, what was then known as the New York Coliseum. It was the convention center there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went there. I then went from there up to Providence, Rhode Island, where I did meet Rita. Yes. Uh, and I ran an arena okay. uh, where we did a lot of rock and roll shows, uh, basketball, all different kinds of events oh, that you fun. would think of yeah. here in Amelie Arena. Same type yep. of uh, event. Mm-hmm. Uh, went back to New York, ran that Coliseum as their uh, manager, and then I was tapped on the shoulder and asked if I would like to move overseas to London, uh, where I got a great opportunity to uh, manage Wembley Stadium. Wow. So it's one of their larger, as they would yes. say, football stadiums, or as yes. we would know, soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, we also had a great arena where rock Rock mm-hmm. and roll bands took place in a great convention center. So I had three great years in London um, and uh, moved from there out to Arizona. Okay. And is Arizona where you decided to kind of go off on, do your own No, I, I ran uh, for the company that I was working for. I was running uh, the Western United States for all of their convention centers in Dallas, in Las Vegas. Wow. Uh, San Francisco, Seattle. So we were, I was based wow. in Phoenix. Yes. And then I, from there, I wanted to get back in a family setting mm-hmm. and do my own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we moved here to uh, Tampa. Yeah. Uh, my dad was retiring. He was uh-huh. moving back from Jer- down from Jersey. My brother was living in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh-huh. And uh, we just wanted to start a family business. So we did. Started a restaurant uh, over in Pinellas County, a Mexican restaurant. We didn't know anything about Mexican (laughs) cooking, (laughs) but we figured it out. Right. How Uh, did you choose Mexican if you didn't know anything about it, just the popularity of that? Well, we thought we were going to open a sports bar. Well, that's different. (laughs) We went down a different avenue. If you're an entrepreneur, you take an opportunity the way you see it. Yeah. We thought there was a need here. This is uh, 1990. Yeah. So uh, there were no great Mexican restaurants, and we wanted to do some scratch cooking, so we taught ourselves. Mm. And uh, we opened a Mexican restaurant. We ran it for a couple of years. uh, And then we kind of went, again, separate ways. I started a different business after that Mm. and got back into the business of... uh, catering in stadiums, arenas, convention centers, and I ended up starting my own company doing that. And that's as um, a contractor, more or less, for the, like having contracts with all those locations, and you make sure all the um, hot dogs and sodas and everything is available, fresh, safe, yummy. That's why you get all of what we do, right? (laughs) That's right. So uh, I ended up starting a company, got together with a partner, Mm-hmm. And we started a company called Ovations Food Services. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ovations Food Services was born out of my home. Uh, my daughter was young. She helped us. She would file the papers in the various oh. folders. Uh, and we uh, got us 
small company to grow over a period of time. So it was a, a very successful venture for us. Yeah, at the, at the end it really was. And, it, and the groundwork for that is where you started in your early years in New York. That's in right. Providence. So it's kind of your path uh, supported where your success ended up being, right? It was. Uh, we had, uh, you know, you, you look for a niche in business and you say, how can you make it a little bit better than somebody else is right. doing? You right. look for something simple. And then you improve on that simpleness. And if you think back in stadiums 30 years ago, when you'd go to a concession stand, you get something as simple as a hot dog, but normally it was all wrapped up in a piece of tin foil, and you try to get it and (laughs) open it up just to get a little bit of mustard on it. Do you remember this? You probably know what. You, you know, it's funny. I, I'm, I'm striking out all over the place here. I don't really go to a lot oh. of sports games, but I, I love hot dogs, and I can relate to this part. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said, if you can't deliver a great hot dog, we shouldn't be in this business. Mm. So that's when I started something as simple as saying everything's fresh. Mm. Yeah. Everything comes cooked and right to you off of our grills. Mm-hmm. And we figured that out, how to do it for 50,000 people when they're all coming at you at once. So we developed this everything's fresh concept. Right. And we developed it and executed and made it, well, I'll say it was perfect at that point. In time. It was. People were looking for the perfect hot dog and you delivered it. That's right. And we did right. it with all food items after that. Right. Mm-hmm. So then as you added, you had to like... Uh, you said it was all over the stadium, so st- strategically, that's placement. That's right. Team. Yep. Same thing we do here. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a math equation. It's yeah. a math equation, yeah. making sure that you have locations spread out, right? That's right. It does. You do all those different things. You and figure, it was a hit, because not people yep. hadn't really thought about that. And it, you, very, with your caring mind and spirit, you're like, how can we deliver the best? That's right. Now, when you go to a stadium, it's done all over the place now. Yeah. what it's done change the approach that's right and catering at stadiums that's amazing and it started with hot dogs (laughs) so um you know i would imagine building a business from the garage any any successful entrepreneur had stumbling blocks things that you know happened to them that made them shift and succeed like push past it to succeed do you have any advice for young entrepreneurs or folks who may have their own business that are struggling a little bit. Can you share a few stories and and give a little encouragement or advice? You know, I would say when I would look at when you're starting a business and as you're gaining momentum and you're gaining success, it's always remembering why you started that business Mm -hmm. and what was making you successful and not forgetting that. I mean, success will breed and make you feel stronger each day, but sometimes you could lose your grounding during that period of time. So if I was saying anything to a young entrepreneur, and I wish everybody success, keep grounded. Remember why you started that business and what the basis of it was. And don't get too far ahead of yourself. Right. Don't think you're indispensable. Right. Uh, don't think you can, that things can turn around the wrong way. But if you stay focused, 
you'll be a very successful business person right. down the road. They can turn back around if you That's stay for sure. focused and remember your core yep. value, your core reasons, um, right? Um, I read an article about your company, and um, I thought it was super interesting. And it's never something I considered, so I learned from it. You know, um, and it was before the pandemic. So it's when, um, you know, you're in stadiums and the NFL is going to go on strike. And what happens to the businesses underneath that roof inside that stadium when folks may not be coming? And I thought, you know what? I've never considered that. So tell us a little bit about that. And then you can kind of lean into how some of your experience then helped out in the pandemic because you kind of... You yeah. had a pivot. You know, not everything is going to go as planned. Right. Sometimes, just like in feeding Tampa Bay, yeah. uh, you have a hurricane that hits, and yes. you weren't expecting that. And you got five days yep. to get ready for that hurricane, or if in the case of an NFL strike or potential M- MLB strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you got team members that you got to look mm-hmm. after, people that work for you. Mm-hmm. And that's the main concern. When you're a business owner, uh, is the team members that work for you? In my case, I had seven over seven thousand employees that work for our company, so you have that in your, on your mind all the time mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you know that NFL strike isn't going to hopefully last long, right? Uh, so you find other homes for them temporarily. Mm-hmm. You help them out wherever you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you figure things out. So you, you just keep your mind on the long term, uh, what's going to happen later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you move through that. You figure it out. Yeah. Going back to your core reason. That's right. Staying calm. And staying making sure calm. you take care of people. I mean, if you're not staying calm, uh, yeah. not everybody around you is either. Right, right. <laughs> you're kind of bringing sure. them all down the rabbit hole. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of, kind of lose that. So... You know, I'm flashing forward to our experience together with you when the pandemic hit. You know? Um, not a great time. It was not. Not for anyone. But I think what is super interesting, interesting and um, we have a focus group for our podcast that submits questions and ideas. Okay. Um, and, you know, it, it, it is known that you helped when all of the everything shut down to figure out how to move resources, right, into the community where people were shut down and couldn't get what they needed. Tell us about that, because I I was, like, putting two and two together as I'm reading up on you, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. He's kind of experienced this in a different way. So tell us about what happened with the pandi- when the pandemic came for all of us, but how you helped and lean into it. So it was interesting. Uh Rita and I had just come back from a trip. It had gotten shortened because we were in Peru uh, and the pandemic was hitting. So we were supposed to be going on a cruise out of Peru, but mm-hmm. that got eliminated. So we flew back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, everything broke loose. Uh, I got a call uh, that we need that. Assistance was needed down at Trinity Cafe. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I went down there, helped out, got things rolling with Jeremy and his team, Mm -hmm. Mandy and her group of Mm -hmm. people. And then shortly thereafter, Mandy gave me a call and said, uh, we want to try to do some hot meals. Can you help us out with that? Mm -hmm. 
And I said, I think I could figure that out. Uh, I think we can, how many meals do you think we're going to need, Mandy? Uh, 3,000 to start with. I think we're going to need about 3,000, mm-hmm. she goes. Uh, I said, well, there's a goal that we got to find yep. and figure it out. So I've made some phone calls to uh, what we would consider our partners in yes. feeding Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Main sale was one of my first calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Westfall down mm-hmm. in Pinellas County was another person that I gave a call to. Wright's uh, Gourmet, I know that they had helped us out and they had a strong fleet of uh, trucks that they could assist mm-hmm. us with. Uh, Sports Service uh, and the Lightning were, mm-hmm. have been partners of ours for a long period of time, and I knew they would be shut down because right. the arena wasn't going to operate, right. and they would be looking for th- things for their staff to mm-hmm. do. Uh, and then one other person that I knew would definitely be willing to help us out was uh, the group of Puff and Stuff, which they're a large caterer in mm-hmm. our area. Uh, and they have a huge fleet of trucks. And I knew that we would not only need to do cooking and find a way to produce those meals, but we'd need to find a way to distribute them. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was really important during that time. Mm-hmm. That ended up being one of the most difficult things that we didn't expect to encounter right. was Which how do you, you get this food there. Like, right. you know. So the best part was not one person said, we can't help you. Yeah. Everybody leaned in and said, this is what we could do to make this happen. Right. Mm. And I think within two weeks, we had over 5,000 meals being produced and going back out into the community. So well, it worked those, well. It worked very well. And, you know, part of that, too, is, you know, they get shut down. They had food in their refrigerators and freezers as well that they wanted to rescue and make sure that it got into the right hands of people. Like everyone's, you know, we can say horrible things about the pandemic, but I think one thing is people were more aware and a lot of people cared for each other and had a lot of patience that kind of made us stop and made us do it. But, um, you know, you started out with that 3,000, 5,000 meals. And at the end of the day, uh, when that program closed, it was over 50,000 meals and folks were back to work and we were going back into distribution. 50,000 meals it's with those partners. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know, and we, I just, I did so many stories that, that during that time and, you know, we were coming up with prepared meals to, you know, assisted living facilities that didn't know what they were going to do, you know, yeah. and we were coming up with trucks with frozen three course chef prepared meals that we, we actually had to change the tops to say, do not microwave. That's right. <laughs> we right. were that yeah. Right. Right. Do not. But just, um, I, I know Ev, you took photos. We mm. had, um, Folks hanging out of windows saying thank you to us, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, and that kind of started with, you know, Mandy calling you, you leaning in because we had to figure something out at the cafes. How do we get food? And um, your expertise, it's just so funny how things align. Much like Chef Daniel, who I'm sure you worked with, you know, when we learned from the podcast perspective that he managed casinos with seven or eight restaurants <laughs> in them. So it was like, you know, make this many meals in this many days. And he was like, okay. That's right. Okay, we can't have guests in, so this becomes like a, an assembly kitchen. And, mm-hmm. you know, he yeah. had it. So between you and him, not a lot of people had meals that didn't anticipate it in mm. those early days. Yeah. And a lot of folks were worried about them. And we were able to take care of as many as possible. Mm-hmm. And we did. We, yeah. We took and care it, of quite a few people. It does. And we had so many uh, partners, volunteers, staff members, 
Um, and I don't know, I, I just, I think we didn't have time to be scared because we were just taking care of people. And personally, I'm grateful for that. Absolutely. It was a, one of the busiest times yeah. in my life. We didn't have days off for like eight weeks. Yeah, no one I mean, did. We were out, no one did <laughs> yeah. that we're taking care of people. And I'm really grateful for yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I remember uh, Mandy gave me a call and said, hey, Todd, what are you doing this afternoon? I said, not too much today. I mean, it's pandemic time. <laughs> yeah, pretty open. <laughs> so you're right. You're sitting there. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> She said, well, I'm going to come by and pick you up. We're going for a road trip. Wow. Uh, and I said, absolutely. I'm ready. <laughs> Get me out of here. <laughs> and uh, we did a road trip to all the sites that were preparing our meals. Mm. And oh. we handed out, I can't remember exactly what we yeah. handed out, yeah. but we handed out a lot of thanks yeah. to yeah. the people that were preparing yes. the meals. And they were so grateful. Yes. Uh And they were so pleased to be doing what they were doing, especially they knew what they were doing it for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that means a lot to people, just like our volunteers that come here all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. And during that time, we did a lot of stories uh, with media thanking those folks and going to those locations just so folks understand. uh, Kind of gives stability to the community knowing you've just got this army that's really working to take care of your basic needs. That's right. You know, you're not going to be left behind. We're going to keep going as long as we need to. And again, I can't even, what a gift to be a part of that. Yeah. For all of us. Absolutely. Um, You know, you are here at Feeding Tampa Bay. You've been here a long time, but before we go into your work with us um, and your roles over the years, you're a philanthropist at heart, which I think now that we've talked about your family really comes from, your core being is to take care of people. So you're with Feeding Tampa Bay, but what other organizations do you support and why? So Rita and I uh, both uh, love the arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're heavily involved at our performing arts center, the Straws Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sit on their board of directors. I've been on their board for uh, about a dozen years. Okay. I did some work with them early on in my uh, professional career, and that's how I got involved at the uh, Performing Arts Center. Uh, early on, I also was involved uh, with Zoo Tampa, mm-hmm. uh, and I was on their board for, I think, six years. Uh, also, I was engaged at Zoo Tampa through profes- my professional career, mm-hmm. providing food and beverage services there. Uh, and, of course, Feeding Tampa Bay uh, and got involved with Feeding Tampa Bay. Most, uh, well, thinking how did I get involved with Feeding Tampa Bay was through Trinity Cafe, actually. It wasn't directly yes. through <laughs> Feeding Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking back, how far back does this go? Yes. So with ovations, uh there was a gentleman that worked for, with us. Uh, his name was Steve Grugoski. Mm-hmm. And Steve said, Todd, I need to tell you about this organization called Trinity Cafe. And they do, uh, they feed people that are in need. And I think we should be involved in this. Uh, as a food service provider in large stadiums and arenas, We'd always supported our local food banks throughout the United States. So we had about 125 locations throughout the United States and Canada. 
And as you can imagine, when you're feeding thousands of people, especially if you're in a convention center, there's people that don't show. Mm -hmm. So we would have a lot of food left over every Mm -hmm. night. And we would call the local food banks and say, can you come down and pick up this food? And, of course, they would be more than grateful to come down uh, rather than just disposing of this great food that Mm -hmm. was there. So Steve said, this is a little bit different. You should come down to Trinity Cafe and spend an afternoon here. Uh, So I went there and I was uh, fortunate enough to experience Trinity Cafe. And then... We found out Trinity was moving. Uh, I can't remember where they originally were, but they were moving into new digs. The church. Right? Yeah, they moved from the church to their own digs. To their own place, <laughs> yep. right? And uh, he says they need some help. They need their kitchen designed. And we had a facility planning department in our company. So we designed the kitchen for Trinity Cafe and did, of course, pro bono and said, hey, we'll figure it out and help you purchase all your equipment. And that's when we met Jeff Derry. Yes. Uh, and that's, One of my favorite human beings. Right? <laughs> How can't you love Jeff? I, <laughs> right? You just can't. He's like an angel sent to your life. That's when right. When you cross up, you cross with Jeff. He's yeah. just brilliant. So from there, uh, we were then having a large... Uh, national meeting for our company. All our managers were flying in from around the country to Tampa. Mm-hmm. And I think we had maybe a little over 150 people coming in for this meeting. And we love to do group activities. Uh, so somehow we found out about feeding Tampa Bay at the same time. Mm-hmm. And food sorting seemed to be a great company activity. So we put together A, B, and C. We bust everybody down here. (laughs) We sorted food. uh, And that's how I got to meet uh, Thomas. Gotcha. And then shortly afterwards, uh, I was retiring. Mm -hmm. And Thomas was pretty new on the job. I think he'd only been here maybe two years at that point and said, hey, would you li- do you have any spare time? And I said, I do. He said, would you like to join our board? So that's what I did. I said, absolutely, I'll give it a shot. I don't know what it is to be a board member, but I'll right. give it a shot. Right. And we did. Right. Or I did. So that's about eight years you've been with Feeding Tampa Bay Believe as a board not. member. As a board member, about 11 years now. Okay. 10 or 11 wow. years. Okay. Wow. Quite a tenure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in that time, I we how much change have you seen in hunger relief? Because you've been, I know you're you've been part of the marketing campaign. So talk about that a little bit on how Feeding Tampa Bay has changed during your time here. Dramatically. Yeah. Uh, so when I came on board here, I thought I think we were, our total budget was a little over $2 million at that point. And we were also trying to struggle to figure out, as an organization, how to make payroll. Um, Wow, okay. And we were doing basic services, as basic as you can get, putting food in the hands of those that need food. Mm -hmm. uh, And figuring things out logistically, getting Mm -hmm. systems put into place. And as a board member, that's what I was able to get involved in and help on that from that standpoint and got involved in as an operations committee member Mm -hmm. is my first committee being here and working with the operations group and saying, 
How are we going to deliver food? How are we going to organize a warehouse? How are we going to get the basics put in place? Uh, so, yeah, it was a very different organization, and Thomas knew what he, what was, what the long-term goal was in sight. And getting involved in organizations, whether it's Feeding Tampa Bay or the Straws Center, yep. I love to be involved in organizations that are forward-looking and moving mm -hmm. continuously and not just saying that we just accomplished that goal, but what's the next goal right. that's in front of us right. and building blocks. It's how you build a business. Right, and exactly. And this, this is the organization that does it. And that's why Feeding Tampa Bay is so successful right. at what they do all the time. And it's the team members that work with it, allowing people to think on their own, find new ways to do it. And so has Feeding Tampa Bay changed from 12 years, 10 or 11 years ago, whatever that number was, mm -hmm. to today? In some ways it has, in some ways it hasn't, because it's, it is what I was saying. It's a grounded organization. Mm -hmm. It always remembers what their, where their roots come from and what the goal is that's in mind. So, And it goes back to your core and your basics, and you stick to them and your vision, and you have success. And that do. comes from a leadership team, a diverse leadership team, and a diverse board with the experience that can lean in like you have. There's many other board members that have gifts and talents that help get us you know, to where we are. Absolutely. Um, so you would suggest folks that have time on their hands, of course, to volunteer, but if they can share their talent and their time, that's kind of priceless. Yep. When you, if you're fortunate enough to be in my situation where you can retire, yes. uh, there are so many different organizations out there that or have needs, mm -hmm. uh, so many different causes that are out there. Mm -hmm. uh, but you got to find those that mean something to you, too, that you know that you can make a difference in. Right. Uh, to spread yourself so thin, you don't accomplish very much at the end of the day. So for myself, it was to focus on two organizations at this point. Mm-hmm. And put all my time and my efforts into those not-for-profit organizations mm -hmm. uh, to see if I can make a difference there. Uh, it's more than joining a board. Yeah. Joining boards are easy. Yep. Doing the work on a board <laughs> isn't so easy. you got to make sure that you're, you're thinking about the issues at hand and trying to find better ways to do things. You're using your experience. Right to build something even greater for folks. Um, you know, now we're leaning into, I think it's really exciting and you can share this story. You know, we've been all over the news locally here in Tampa. You know, Feeding America has 200 food banks. We all think differently, um, and, but are of like minds. So we're going and expanding in new directions, specifically in such an exciting way here in Tampa Bay. You are part of the honorary committee, and so you've been kind of boots on the ground, and we know that it's been a number of years to get even where we are today. 
So can you talk to me about choosing, being possibly asked to be on that committee because of your experience and the journey to today? Breaking ground, like literally blowing up the ground to break <laughs> ground to open, uh, get us prepared to go into a new facility. So after I was the chair of Feeding Tampa Bay mm -hmm. and I finished up that role uh, and I was falling off and trying to find another role inside Feeding Tampa Bay, uh, Thomas asked uh, if I would be one of the co-chairs along with my wife, Rita, mm -hmm. and Colleen and Danny Chapel mm -hmm. uh, to uh, head up the capital campaign and also work as an honorary chairperson, uh, too. So that was, I, I, it just seemed natural to, to join that group of people. Uh, and it was going to be the biggest thing that Feeding Tampa Bay was going to do. It was the next focus of where we were going. Looking back at it, uh, that journey started five years ago. Mm -hmm. With Thomas uh, saying, I think we're ready to start looking at a new food bank. Uh, we're outgrowing it. We had outgrown mm -hmm. uh, our current location where we're sitting right now yep. years ago. Uh, so we started that journey to bring it to the point that we started raising funds uh, for this capital campaign mm -hmm. and bring it to where it is today. Which is almost, we just opened it up to the public, but the bulk, almost $40 million nearly, was raised quietly with the help of the committee, partners, and individuals for, for throughout our community. I just think that is the most amazing thing that we just need the public to help us a little bit more, and then we're going to go into a fully owned location which means all of those dollars that we are bring in ex additionally mm -hmm. will go on tables mm -hmm. or go into services and build stability and really change kind of the fabric of our community. I mean, that's really what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. And our fundry, we've been, we've been blessed and fortunate. Mm -hmm. We have. Uh, there are certain partners and certain people that have given us fabulous gifts, mm -hmm. large gifts. Mm -hmm. And when we were talking earlier about how has Feeding Tampa Bay changed over the life that I've been involved in it, a lot of the building that took place over that dozen years brought us to a, has brought us to a place that it introduced us to new people in mm -hmm. the communities. In so many communities, you go back to the people that have supported organizations all the time. Mm -hmm. But we happen to be in a very growing community. Mm -hmm. Tampa's exploding with new people coming in. Well, feeding Tampa Bay, when you come to our community, is easily recognized. We have an extremely strong brand that's been developed, and people understand that. Mm -hmm. And they want to help organizations that are helping others. And we are there. And people don't have to hunt for us. Right. They know we're there. Right. Not just the people to say, what does Feeding Tampa Bay do? But it's also those that we serve, we get 
our word out and people understand who we are and where to gain those services from. So we've built a very strong brand mm-hmm. and it's brought new people into our orbit. It has. It has. And building that brand is so important because the reality is, is under everyone, every living thing really understands the need for food and the outcome of healthy food. Folks, I hope you're really enjoying talking about a great friend here at our food bank at Feeding Tampa Bay. But he has another friend that he's known for a really long time that really leads our work and is getting with her team, is getting us closer to a hunger-free Tampa Bay literally every day. Kelly Sims, welcome back to the show, our Chief Development Officer. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me, Shannon. Always, always, always. When we think about you know, reaching goals, fundraising, the leadership around that, the team around it, you are always our go-to here at Feeding Tampa Bay and Stick a Fork in it, for that matter. But I want you to explain a few key things that we've talked to Todd about so far and maybe a few little extra tidbits that we can share. First, we just spoke about honorary committee. Uh, We didn't go in because we wanted you to share the more details of it. Talk to us about that. Yes, thank you. It's it's uh, such an interesting committee, and we're so very thankful for them. The idea of starting a campaign to build a new facility or expand our mission in general, really, um, it's very important to get the community's input and involvement along the way. And in many cases, whether it's an advisory committee or in our case, an honorary committee, the idea that we would have the top level minds and representatives from industries that are impacted by our work. And so, first of all, we're most honored to know that our mayor was uh, of the city of Tampa uh, was willing and very motivated to lead this committee. We know her insight and the way she's um, even viewed our region in general has been transformational. And so to have her involved and then each of our members is a top mind in that industry, whether it's finance or uh, legal um, industry or an agriculture, which of course is so affected um, by feeding Tampa Bay. And so each of them has had such a great impact in the way we even communicate on to the overall community about our work. I think it's pretty amazing as part of a team that we have leadership who encourages us to ask other opinions, to make sure we're educated on all scopes and scales. Even for this podcast, we have a focus group, you know, so it's opinions matter and they just, all those voices really lend towards success. They absolutely do. And I just want to add one thing. When we mm-hmm. think, for instance, of our honorary committee member uh, representing healthcare, uh, Dave Pizzo of Florida Blue, there are, trends coming through that industry, for instance, that can inform the way we look at our mission. And so why wouldn't we want to get the best minds um, and their strategies um, as we can consider what to do next in our work? Yeah, it's so inspiring. It's like everybody has something to give and help us just be even more wise on how to get towards that hunger-free goal. So very quietly, we just went public with the things that have been going on. It's been very quiet. Your team has been doing so many amazing things with this honorary committee. So update us 
on what's been going on. We have this amazing building that's going to take us from 95 million meals to 150 million meals and really get us to that hunger free by 2025. But my gosh, you have been working on this behind the scenes for years. Tell us how that's been going. Yes, it has been um, happening for, you know, a handful of years. The important part is before we even launched into soliciting funding and help um, from our community, um, Todd, that you've spoken to, and others began benchmarking around the country to say, what are the best practices in um, the food banking world? And then how does a facility make that more possible? Um, what what needs to happen in that facility? And And a lot of this for us is in the realm of not only getting more food out, but also our ending hunger work, our undergirding of individuals and families to say, how can we bring more income into your month or uh, employment so that you may not have to come back into a food bank? And so that um, research began, you know, four years or so ago. And then once that was all compiled and the research put together to say what really works in our region, because every region is a bit different, right? Um, then we began saying this is what this facility would be designed to look like and how much it would take for us to build the facility. And so, you know, I came in at that point in support of Thomas um, and the board, um, and we've been working on the funding part of that just shy of two years um, and we always said that it would be important for us to reach 80, 85% of our funding goal before we, um, say became very public about the project. And so we are over the moon about the fact that the community in supporting us say at that million dollar and up level of giving has taken us to that 85% of goal where, well over 38 million um, raised um, from private funding. And then of course we have government funding that's come our way and corporate funding that's come our way that are getting us towards the total number needed to build our facility. So we're just, we're just in this together and we've got such an amazing jump start. I mean, what the community, uh, the committees, your team, the development team has done is just incredible. Um, how can folks help today? Well, I'm glad that you're asking because we definitely need their help. And while we are well on our way to this campaign, um, we still have a road to go yet. And at this point, it's also really important for the building of a great food bank. We learned this around the country, that the community was involved and is involved at every level. And so it's not just big donors that matter to this. It's supporters who say, you know, here is my is my gift because I want to be a part of lifting my neighbor and my community. And so it's a financial thing. Yes, very important. But it's also a psychological thing. And it's a it's a it's a knowledge that we are linking arms together to lift our region. And so I would ask those who are listening today to say, at what level could I be involved? Can I give my time? Can I share the story? And do I have some funding that I might be able to contribute towards this really important project? 
Yeah, I think it's in just insane the the support that we've gotten, but we also respect and invite people to stand alongside us because every dollar counts, right? You know, we know a dollar equals five meals in our world. So that puts in perspective that anyone who wants to stand alongside us and be part of our mission is welcome. And we're excited to have you pretty much join the family. Because to me, that's what it seems like for us is this, we're one big family. Um, so thank you for that and your leadership in that as well. And the last question that really doesn't get spoken a lot about, but I'm so intrigued by Organizations like ours provide an incredible economic impact. It's often folks are like, we're handing things out, we're doing all these things, but we're really lifting our community in so many ways. Can you speak on that as we uh, end our chat today? Yes, absolutely. So one of the exciting parts of the story that we've not, as you said, had an opportunity to share as much um, as we plan to in the future is Feeding Tampa Bay is such an economic dr driver alone in our region, even as an employer, as a corporate entity, um, by the folks that we hire, by the folks that now are coming through our Fresh Force program and then becoming um, a, a financial participants of our economy as well. And then the rippling out of that. And we're fortunate to have been uh, part of a study a local university did about um, what that um, overall economic impact is and where in the last couple of years we've hovered at that 300 million, just over 300 million impact. And that is all of the things that we do, right? The recovery of food, the employment, so on, compiled together. And then the projection has been made in our new facility that that will go well over $450 million. So you can imagine why our mayor and all of our public officials are, are looking at Feeding Tampa Bay to say, not only are you lifting these individuals in our community that, aren't, you know, frankly, the government's not as great at doing on their own as we can do, but now they're able to look at us as that economic driver to say, this impact is huge of this organization on both sides of that story. When you say, when you just explained that, it gave me chills. It's, it chills. It's like we are part of something amazing. We're all in this together. You know, we all want people to be independent um, and feel stable in their lives. You know, Kelly, thank you so much for explaining. Thank you for your leadership, your friendship. Um, and everything that you do for our community. And it's really about those that we serve. It is, it is. And thank you again. I look forward to joining you when you need me in the future. Always, you're on speed dial. Talk to you <laughs> soon. Thank you. We are uh, working on something in uh, Dr. David Himmelgreen, who has been alongside us for about eight years. A great board member. He is an, uh, an amazing uh, part of our team and just all the research and the thought uh, that goes behind how we address our programs, how we distribute out into the community, who uh, we serve, who our team is, you know, all of that kind of comes to that. And I think I just want to backtrack for a second because, you know, we raised all this wonderful money, but, and we're building this amazing 218,000 square foot building, but that's being addressed thoughtfully as well. Like I know that the committees, they've traveled and looked at other food banks and you want to see how other people. So tell us about the food banks that you've seen 
and how they address things and how it lended into maybe some of the decisions, very thoughtful decisions, which I think is important to know for today. So we did a couple of road trips. Mm-hmm. Uh, one great one through Texas. I think we visited four different food banks that were out there. We've gone up to Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we've explored different food banks in the Northeast, too, and took a look at each of those locations and said, what do they do the best? Just like we do here at Feeding Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. no different. You have mm-hmm. a building block, and every time you improve that, mm-hmm. you move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So when you're building a brand new building, you're not going to do it on your own. No. There's a community of food banks that are out there that have been doing building themselves. Mm-hmm. Same thing in the business that I was in, as we built new stadiums, we always improved on the last right. one. So we went and learned best practices that were going on in their food banks and always asked them questions at the end. What would have you done different There you go. now that you've built your food bank? And that was one of the most important questions that we always asked. Mm-hmm. It's not just looking at the beautiful, great new building, mm-hmm. but it's if you had a chance to do it again, right. what are those things that you would do again? Right. So we're going into this one with and so each much of those, knowledge. And each of those points we took mm-hmm. and we brought it back and we said, we're going to build the best food bank that's ever been built. Yep. And I'm confident yep. when we open our doors, we will have the best feeding Tampa Bay that exists. I agree. I'm so excited. And it's, I just think it's so important just the thought, the planning, you know, and everything that goes behind everything that we do. Um, in that, I know there's a few, especially in Texas. So there are areas in our nation, you know, we, our goal is to be hunger-free by 2025. There are food banks and in, in regions that they serve that have reached what we call hunger-free, which doesn't mean you're not hungry. It means that you have access to food. Like there's no reason that anyone should go without a meal in that region. Um, and I know you visited a few, and I know there's a few that kind of stand out a bit. Are there any that stood out to you on some of the unique approaches um, that they have that fit for their community? Yeah, the ones that there was a model uh, at one of the food banks that they had a very strong base and a strong food bank, well-built, well-purposed, well thought out was able to gather all the food and distribute it very effectively and efficiently throughout the community but what was also interested in that food bank is that they also had satellite organizations that were out in the community because and they were able to get closer to the people that they were serving and understand those micro communities that mm-hmm. were out there too. Very similar to our 10 county area where we have a large metropolitan area for Tampa, St. Pete, but we also have a lot of rural communities mm-hmm. that we got to ser- that we do serve that are out there. And there's different ways that you got to distribute your food, mm-hmm. but if you're not close to those people. You're not going to understand them. And I took that as a very strong point in understanding what would make us successful. And with our new Trinity Cafe model Mm -hmm. and our brand new food bank that's going to be built, it's going to emulate that type of organization where you have a strong base, 
a strong home office mm -hmm. and satellites that are taking care of the people extremely locally. The mm -hmm. other thing I believe that we're, we've done extremely well or are doing well is giving recognition to those communities, not just calling it Feeding Tampa Bay, but calling it Feeding Manatee. Feeding Pinellas. Feeding Pinellas. Mm -hmm. Because people want things done locally. Right. They, you know, when you're making a donation, you want to know that you're making your donation that are helping people in your community. Right. right. So I feel it's, it's working out extremely well. And that and um, understanding who we serve understanding their needs you mentioned that is so important uh, culturally you know we support and understand a lot of people in our care and we try for most from uh, translating our website <laughs> to as many languages as possible to doing that also with our text platform and it's just uh, and, and you'll like this meeting people where they are with dignity and respect <laughs> you know from being one of those folks that started at Trinity Cafe as well um, that was the first lesson I learned from Jeff Derry um, that changed me as a person, to be honest, and that's really how we need to see everyone in our life. You know, Shannon, um, that's the reason. When we mer or merged to get the two organizations together, mm -hmm. uh, Trinity Cafe and Feeding Tampa Bay, you know, when you, when you do a business merger, you don't do it just to grow, but you also learn for different cultural experiences, too. Uh, and one and one, when you get two organizations, one and one shouldn't equal two, it should equal three. Mm. And in that case, when we built, when we merged free, uh, Feeding Tampa Bay and Trinity Cafe, it truly went to a three, not just a two. Right. Because it merged two cultures together and made us extremely strong. Uh, so it was a win-win for sure. Well, I'm really thrilled it happened. I've been here now for four years, plugging along. Now we have a podcast. So our time is almost up, and you have an event that you have to go to that we're hosting here at the Food Bank, so we've got to move you along. But we always like to do something fun at the end, and it's really about having a guest at the table. We know that great things happen around a table or a meal, even if you're standing up. So if you had a table of four, who would you invite to be your guest at the table? Um, you know, there was always, first person I think I would invite would be Joe Madden, our old oh, skipper from yes. the race. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was a big Trinity Cafe fan. And also in the hunger space. Yes, he always did his yes, Christmas, always. Thanksgiving, Christmas mm -hmm. event. Uh, and he's a quirky kind of guy mm -hmm. and always interesting. And I always wanted to have a meal with him. Never done that yet. Love to get there. Tom Hanks would Good be another choice. person, mm -hmm. just a caring person. I love the roles he's played in his life. Mm -hmm. um, could I invite four? <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll, yep. uh, we can never want to turn seats. anyone away. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yes. Oprah Winfrey. Mm. Ooh, a lot of great stories. Yeah. Okay. She is. She's a great storyteller, too. She is. Mm -hmm. My fourth person would be the person off the street. I don't know who it is. Mm. Oh, Definitely so would great. be a person off the street mm. because I think they would help the conversation. Yeah. And that, my friend, is why you're here. <laughs> oh. And that's why you've been successful. It's your heart of gold, honestly. 
Um, and now I can't even go on because uh, I'm thinking oh. about that. <laughs> but, okay, so you have these amazing people at the table. What, what are you serving them? You're in the industry. What's the best food that you're going to serve? Oprah's keeping the conversation going. <laughs> you have this wonderful human being who is surprised to be around the table with these notables and kind folks. What you eating? So even though I've come from a food service background where I've had the luxury of eating great food all my life mm -hmm. uh, and watching chefs prepare it in front of me uh, for those that we serve, I definitely would serve a meal that comes from my family. Um, and the best meal I could think of would be a brisket that's being cooked in the oven because it smells so good mm -hmm. after the second hour. Mm -hmm. Get the maripois on top of celery, carrots, and onions, and then mm. pour stewed tomatoes over the top, put it in the oven, and five hours later, you're going to have one of the best meals. And, of course, you have to have mashed potatoes on the <laughs> side to yes. put the gravy over the top. Yes, yum. What's so, the green? you got to have a green. Oh, I'm a string bean person, so oh I'm just, I, I I'm just like too. so. I'm just so basic when it comes oh, to that. No. Wrong with that. You can do those well, you know. I can steam those in a bag and eat them, and then you know what I did is I put them in the air fryer mm. yeah. with seasoning. Yeah, yeah. Oh. definitely good. So <laughs> yummy. Yeah. So it'd be it would be a meal of a family, right? Yep. Mm. That's definitely yep. my family meal. So that's what I'd be serving, and I hope everybody would enjoy it. Mm. They would. They would, and you'd be a family for the moment yeah. with all those folks around your table. Yep. Todd, we appreciate you. Hey. We do. Thanks Everything for having that you bring. I'm so thankful to get to know you better, understand a few things, learn a few things, um, and just know how much you're appreciated. I love being here. Thank you. You can learn more about Feeding Tampa Bay and how to join the movement at feedingtampabay.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and TikTok at Beating Tampa Bay. <laughs>